today's episode is brought to you by PureVPN. Whether you're streaming, browsing, or just looking for a little more online security, PureVPN has you covered. Rated 4.8 stars by TruePilot and seen on Wired, Yahoo Tech, The Huffington Post, and Lifehacker, PureVPN offers blazing fast VPN services at an affordable price. PureVPN also has features like internet kill switch, split tunneling, and the capacity to allow 10 devices per account, as well as 24-7 customer support. Right now, they're even offering a 7-day full access trial for just 99 cents and an additional 40% off their monthly subscription service. Use the link in the show notes to secure this deal and your online activity today. What can't you pull up, Sterling? Uh, so I'm trying to pull up my movie I watched this week, Seven. In... Oh, fuck! <laughs> Did you watch Seven? Yes! Yeah! <laughs> it finally happened! Oh my god, what are the odds? What are the fucking odds? Oh god. That is hilarious! What is this, episode 106? Yes! Oh my god, it only took over 100 t- tries to make this happen. I'm amazed. I'm actually, I was a little nervous it would happen. Did Katie pick this? Yeah, she picked it for me. I'll pick this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. That makes it even better. Uh, So, before we jump into that real fast, I'm Sterling. I'm Alex. This is the Alex and Sterling Watch Stuff Podcast. Cheers! If you do on this podcast, you should be ashamed of yourself. This is the show where we watch movies and or TV shows, uh, drink, and then talk about them to each other and anyone willing to listen. That's what we do, goddammit. Um, and the theme this week was, let's have our girls pick out serial killer movies. Uh, and that is gold. Dude, Maybe- that's so funny. We've talked about this a handful of times throughout the start of this podcast, like, one day we're going to accidentally do the same thing. And yeah. it has not happened <laughs> until right now. I'm actually really excited that it happened. What a golden opportunity. Like, I, every time I have to talk about a movie on my own, I'm worried about, like, carrying that burden on my own. Like, I want to, A, either do the movie justice. If it's good, I, I want to make sure you and other people are interested in seeing it. Or if it's bad, like, I want to... I don't know, either shit on it the appropriate amount or explain that, like, it's for a certain type of person and not me. You yeah, know I mean? 100%. Like, you want to dissect it just right. So, like, you're right. It, whether it's good or bad, you want to kind of cut it. And so you're like, this was great because these things. Or it was bad and could have been awesome because of these things. Or it was just a bullshit storyline and they tricked us with the marketing io i'm talking to you yeah don't be a movie io we're the only people i know of who talk about io because i think we're the only people on the planet who've watched it (laughs) i think so dude i heard i've heard nothing about that movie it like it seems like it was made just for us we watched it and then they took it off of netflix i've not anything down nobody wants that dude do you see the haunting of of chill house is a thing again Yes, like, I'm so glad you called it that. <laughs> it's like a 
what is it? Like a different. It reminds me of um, American Horror Story, where it's the like haunting of Bly Manor. That's it. Do yeah. you know much about it? Because I don't. I know it's, literally nothing about it, but it looks like it has the same people in it. So, yeah. It seems I'm, like American Horror Story. It does. I'm wondering if either the characters like found a new house that happens to be haunted, or if or, we're like seeing. Um, actually, there's three things. Found a new house that might be haunted. We're seeing like maybe the origins of the house before it was the hill house. Or maybe they are now ghosts and the new family is the Bly family. I would, theories. I would really, really like your second two options. I don't want a scenario where they move around and like it doesn't matter where they go. The house is haunted. There's something cool to me about like one house being the fucking place that's haunted. Yeah, like it's anchored there. Like no right. matter who comes or goes, like this place is where they live. Like a portal. Yeah. And the and the the show, I should watch it again. The the show did a really good job of like dragging the kids back to the house. They had like mental problems and shit they had to only solve in this house. Yeah. And like their sister kind of was still being fucking haunted, which was insane. Dude, it was a great show. They Dude, crushed it. What a good show. Like we watched that so long ago. Yeah. Like twenty eighteen, I think. That's got to be back in October, right? Has to be. Like, I I accept no other release date. Hold on. Quick quick Google search. Oh, my God. Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes, give it to me. Wait, wait... Haunting of Bly Manor. Release date. Release date, October yeah. 9th. Yes! We could finish it by Halloween and have our... We, we need to do spooky shit all of Halloween. I think we should. Like, that's... It's key for all of October. Fal and I have done scary movie marathons since we've been dating. Oh, so that's awesome. We did the Halloween movies. Uh, we've done, I think, the Purge movies. Um forget what else she's not gonna watch i can't do that um dude i like accidentally got katie to watch scary movies and i've been loving it um or not scary movies but a scary show so i think katie and i both thought lovecraft country was going to be different things and i've really enjoyed it Oh, like I, well, I think I knew more of what it would be about than she did because I've like literally read H.P. Lovecraft and I know all about him. But we started watching it and it's like some of it is pure terror, like so scary. Uh, and it's really it's a really interesting show. Like it's about uh, this this group of people. I, it's important to note that they're black people that are not only dealing with fucking ferocious, terrible racism way back in the day but it's they're like dealing with supernatural hp lovecraft bullshit too so like and all of it is kind of like there's like a huge large bubble the but the edge of the bubble like the layer of the bubble is racism but everything inside is supernatural shit that so sounds awesome it's sweet and you'll not be surprised by this 
It's fucking headed by J.J. Abrams and um, our boy from Get Out, um, Peel. Peel. Yeah, and Peel. Uh, fucking J.J. Abrams, Jordan Peel, bro. Like, can you imagine a greater duo? I love that Jordan Peel is diving headfirst into all things like scary. He's yeah. doing his own horror movies. He redid the Twilight Zone. He's doing this Lovecraft show. He's like, I think he's a producer on a show coming out, uh, Candyman. Yes, it's a movie. Uh, it's a movie, and it's oh, like I, can't wait I don't for think that. he directed it, but I think he's producing it. But like all this scary stuff, it's like he's got his hands in it, and he's good at it. That's the best part. Yeah, a, like I knew he I've, was a comedian. Yeah, I've been fiending for like some good scary shit for a long time, and I feel like it was like really refreshing. And then we got all these other things, and it's been really nice. Actually, I think Get Out came out before it. Uh, I think you're right. But it's like, um, I feel like there was a, a huge gap in scary stuff. Like, there yeah. was, uh, obviously, like, the heritage scary movies, like Halloween, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, those kind of, like, 70s, 80s scary movies. Yeah. And then they dragged those into the 90s and, like, 2000s, which, you know, like, they're not really scary anymore. It's just, like, how do we pump money from you guys, like, into these franchises? Exactly. And there was some random scary movies, but they're all, like, the typical, you know, teenagers getting, like, laid and then murdered. Like if that. you watch Cabin in the Woods once, you have seen every scary movie, or 99% of scary movies. Dude, 100%. And, like, that's why you don't remember any of them. Like, they're just, there's a huge gap between the famous ones and then, like, Jordan Peele's, you know, Get Out. It's like, oh, this is fresh. Like, this is yeah. something really different. Um, and it's kind of cool that they're sort of revamping horror a little bit. And I think in between there we had movies like Hostel and Saw that were scary movies, but they were more scary because they were gory. So it's like yeah, really absolutely. extreme. And the idea of a psychopath kidnapping people and doing that to them is scary. But the scary part is like the tension of any moment this bear trap is going to close on my head. Like Right. <laughs> and that I think it if you watch the first one, like if you were to watch the first one and like the fourth one back to back, you would realize that like the first one is way better storytelling way more psychological than like the fourth one which they lean more and more on like the the shock factor so like there's barely any like brutal stuff like most of saw one is like the dude chained in the basement trying to figure shit out but like if you go to like the third or fourth one there's like people falling into like pits of needles and shit and like yeah it gets real intense because they gotta always up the ante yes first one that one was really good and i want to rewatch it because I've seen it maybe once or twice. Yeah. Um, and I just remember being pretty blown away at the end. Oh, uh, so good. I'm not going to spoil it here because this is not the episode for it. But it was like just it was in one room for the most part. Like there's a couple extraneous scenes. But it's yeah. like basically the setting is you're locked in a room and you're, you know, screwed. Like how do we fix this? Uh and the ending was killer. And, like, I think I would appreciate that now more than I did, you know, when I was, like, what, 13 or whatever the hell that came yeah. out. I want to say they 
it was like college students or something that made that movie or like there's something interesting about it. Like it was like college students or the people who made it only made it with like $20,000 or something like something wild about that. And we've talked about that before where like horror movies don't need a big budget. Like yeah. you can be like, it's almost the smaller scale, the scarier it is. Yeah. Right? They're so profitable, which is the thing. Like if we made an appealing, scary movie, we could probably make some change off of it. Dude, I have a good story. I think um, I don't. I don't. Want, I'm not gonna say it on this episode, but I can tell you later. I've thought a lot about it, and I think I might have told you about it a little bit. But I, I think there's some good, some good stuff there that I just I can't write for shit. So it's just in my head. Wow, we need to make it a thing and make it a movie. Make millions. Let's do it. Um, he, watch, watch this transition. And uh, seven. <laughs> oh. Wow. Seven. You like you like that transition? Uh, I was gonna say something about like being scary and how serial killers are scary, blah blah blah. But this movie's kind of scary. Not like shock factor scary, but more like fucked up, disturbing, scary. Yeah, I was gonna say there is a little shock factor in there, mm. but you're right. It's more just disturbing. Um. So we talked about how we came to this point, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So serial killers, girlfriends chose the movies. We both happened to get seven um, and so didn't funny. know it until right now. So funny. Um, wow. How do you want to start this thing off? Well, like the premise of the movie, like seven stands for the seven deadly sins. And it's about a serial killer who kills people based on the seven deadly sins. So like, I'm going to kill this fat guy and label it gluttony. I'm going to kill, uh, and honestly, like that's, Oh, I'm going to kill this lawyer and call it greed. But like, it's really, it was in 1995. It was like in the somewhat beginning of Brad Pitt's acting career. Morgan Freeman is fucking a golden gem as always. He always is. No, he's not in anything that's not good. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I, I'm not. I'm. I don't think that it's a, it's a thing where, he only accepts good roles in good movies. I think he could go into a shitty movie and just make it good because he's that good. I agree. He's just so fucking good. Yeah. Um. I read a quote while I was doing a little homework on this. Yeah. The director told them. Uh, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, um, or I think it was Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey. I don't yeah. Know, I'll look it up. But he told some of the actors, he's like, "Look, this is not a movie that you're going to be famous for, but this is a movie that you'll be proud of." Oh, uh, I read that in the trivia. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "That's dope." Like, at least you know where you're at. <laughs> uh, but they, but they might be famous for it because it's fucking a wild movie. Yeah. It ended up being like a super classic, which I'm a little embarrassed. I've seen it before, mm. but like a lot of the movies that we talk about, at least that I've seen, is I basically boil them down to like clips in my mind. So I remember certain yeah. parts of the movie in my head. And when I watch the whole thing, I'm like, I vaguely remember this, but like then it hits certain parts and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this for sure. Uh, so did you, when you were watching this, this, 
the second time, or I guess the most recent time, did you remember or know what was in the box? <laughs> oh, I knew it was in the box. Okay, okay. That is one of the craziest scenes in movies. You know, I must have created it in my head because I, I thought they showed it. I thought they did too. But that's really weird. You can you can imagine it so fucking much because they talk about it so much. Yeah, and it because it's such a tense situation. I I swear in my life, like I remember the angle and everything. Like yes, showed it. Me too. And I just it's not it didn't happen. It's not there. It you must just be thinking about it so fucking hard when you see the movie. Years go by and you're like, don't they show it? Don't they show it? Yeah. That's weird. I only questioned myself because I I was watching it in bed while Fal was sleeping. Yeah. And we talked about it the next day, and she was like, oh, yeah, wasn't this in the box? Should I just say it? I guess we're going to do spoiler alerts. Wait, wait, let's get there. Let's get there. Okay, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there in a bit. Um, But, yes, yeah, so the movie is about a guy killing people based on the seven deadly sins, and I think it's important to note that he's doing it because he can't contain his thoughts anymore. Like, yeah. I don't know if you caught it in the movie. I caught it on a couple various other YouTube videos that I was, like, watching in preparation for this. Ooh, I wish I would have seen those. Because I'm, like, as much as I analyze movies, like, it's going to take me a lot. Like, I got to watch it a bunch of times to, like, really capture a lot of these things. But mm-hmm. somebody mentioned that it's, like, in the scene where we get to his apartment, and we find all the journals. There's like a room full of journals of this yeah. guy writing. And it's like he was content to like basically express his dissatisfaction with humanity in these journals. But they started to consume and enclose him. Like oh, the whole room was full. And he's like, I can't live with these thoughts anymore. And had to actually do something wow. about it. That's like, interesting. Damn, that's deep. That's crazy. That is crazy. So to open it up, uh, Brad Pitt is a new-ish detective, and he moves to. Do they say where they are? I think it's New York. Like I don't it's... know if they ever say it for sure, but I'm ninety-eight point one percent sure it's New York. So it does seem like a, a city, city like New York or Chicago or something, but it it just feels like Gotham the whole time. I just want to say that it, they were in Gotham. Yeah, it's like always bad outside. It, it was like Gotham pre-Batman. And it's like dark and gritty. And there's bugs and hookers and homeless and, and shit everywhere. It's always raining. Always dark and raining. Uh, there are dirty cops. Like It just feels like fucking Gotham before Batman. And uh, so Brad Pitt moves there with his new wife, who's Gwyneth Paltrow. And Morgan Freeman is like two weeks away from retiring he's on the cusp of retiring and brad pitt is kind of like his his replacement he's like this guy's going out i'm coming in um and it's like a bad just bad timing where they both land on this big case where morgan freeman's like i can't do this as my last case because this is going to be terrible and run on forever and brad pitt can't do this he's coming from morgan freeman's mouth and he's like brad pitt can't do this because it's his first case and it's too much. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. It's too much. So it's a bad mix. Yeah, and we see them on screen a little bit, like uh, somewhat butting heads 
in the first, like, I would say, like, the first half of the movie. Yeah. You know, like, why did you move here? You know, like, did you read my file? Like, just these kind of banters of, like, I don't trust you. Why don't you trust me? I'm amazing. Like, you know, kind (laughs) of weird new cop partner relationship. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Like, they get this ridiculous case, and he's like, well, I can't leave this in your noob hands. Like, I gotta, I gotta help you with this. I better tackle this. So the first crime scene they go to is uh, this dude who had to eat himself to death, which is real hard to imagine. I had a huge burrito for lunch, and I was, like, not feeling, like, (laughs) hot after I ate. No, like, I'm trying to eat leftovers, have a bunch of leftovers. I made a ridiculous burrito and I'm like, hell yeah, I ate the burrito. And I was like, dang, I am full. Like I am uncomfortably full to imagine eating. However many of those it would take to kill me. I would, I would just be like, dude, shoot me. I can't eat another, can't eat another burrito. <laughs> I can't yeah, do it. God, I'm, I'm amazed the fucking dude did that. I'd be like, bro, please just shoot me. <laughs> so uncomfortable. But yeah, this guy is face planted in a bowl of spaghetti and what the autopsy shows is that he ate until his stomach ruptured oh uh yeah it it was really unsettling the guy was like very very large and um they didn't it's interesting because they don't realize it's a serial killer yet and it it they do a good job of like backtracking to the scene of the crime to like dig up something that they found in the second and the the second guy like the whole movie jumps in between these crimes right like the serial killer doing crimes based on the seven deadly sins which are uh gluttony greed uh sloth lust pride envy wrath i think i said it in the right order too of how they go down absolutely did because i took notes Yes. Um, so like in the in-betweens are like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Brad Pitt's wife, wanting to get to know Morgan Freeman, like the person who's who's, you know, in, hanging out with her husband all the time and in charge of safety, but also kind of wanting to get to know somebody because they, they're new to the city and they don't know anyone. It's the um, standard like anytime you have partners in a cop movie you have the spouses or significant others of those people like why don't you invite your partner over i want to meet them i want to know who my husband or wife spends all their time with and like this person has your life in their hands and i want to know them like that's always the relationship there so it's like invite them over for dinner for this awkward like hey we just looked at a dead guy together but now let's eat some lasagna yeah absolutely um but then, like, it, it goes a step further, and there's this scene where, like, Gwyneth Paltrow calls Morgan Freeman, and she's like, I have no one else to talk to. Can we meet? And she confesses to him that she doesn't like the city at all, but she's pregnant, and she doesn't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. And then Morgan Freeman divulges this kind of, like, intimate scenario that he went through where he, like, was going to have a kid, and he basically rubbed the lady the wrong way and she terminated the pregnancy and then left him which is so intense yeah that's ridiculous and he was like don't 
if you plan to, to terminate the pregnancy, don't tell Brad Pitt. Don't tell your husband. Just do it and go on. But if you have your kid, fucking spoil the shit out of it. Just go yeah. nuts. And it's like she was nervous about raising the kid in that new city. Like, that was the yeah. problem. She's yeah. not like she's questioning her marriage, her relationship with Brad Pitt. No, but it's like, that. we moved to this place, and my initial reception of it is that it sucks. And I don't think raising a kid here would be a great idea. Right. Uh, and, like, it, they're just so bitter about their, their lives there. Because, like, it's a gross place they live in. And... To top it all off, they were duped by their real estate person. I think oh. they were duped so hard. They bought this place uh, that they were only allowed, like their real estate agent would bring them in only for five minutes at a time. They're like, what the fuck? This is so weird. And then their first night they were there, they realized that when the subway swings by, their whole place shakes violently and they have to like hold their glasses and fucking hold their shit together so it doesn't drop. That was and a just, really good scene, though, I think. It oh, was I like it. it was depressing in a way that, like, you could tell Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow as this new couple moving to a new place, they were, like, extremely disappointed at their circumstances, and they, yeah. it happens when Morgan Freeman is over for dinner. So it's like they're kind of embarrassed. And they're like, this is where we live. Like, I can't believe this is our life. Like, we got tricked, and now we're stuck. And they're just unhappy. And Morgan Freeman just starts laughing hysterically. Right. Right. And Paltrow's like, yeah, it is pretty funny. And then they all just start laughing. And it's like, it, it was just a really good change of pace, I think. Like, I don't yeah. know that I see Morgan Freeman laugh a lot. Um, I'm sure there's movies where he does, but like, yeah. it, it so much he laughs quite a bit. What was that? I remember him distinctly laughing in Bruce Almighty, and I remember that scene. Oh yeah, but like it was, I thought I thought that scene was really good. Of like, you could see their despair and embarrassment, and Morgan Freeman was like, "Ha, <laughs> suckers!" Like, it, and there was no tension break until that moment, like no real one. Like yeah. there, there's some funny quips that you might like laugh under your breath too, but that was the first like laugh laugh scene I think. Yeah. Might be uh, the only one. And I think that's needed. Even in the scariest, fucking, most oppressively dark movie, you need that to reset for the next scene. 100%. think you need it. Um, or at least it just makes it really effective. Um, so the they realize they have a serial killer on their hands when they have another homicide, and this time it's a fucking lawyer who was forced to cut out his flesh and body parts until he had enough of, of his of his dismembered self to weigh up to a pound on a scale. And then he died from it. And then they found the words uh, greed somewhere. And then Morgan Freeman was like, what the fuck? And he went oh. back to the first crime, screen, uh, crime scene and found that it said gluttony in there. It was behind the fridge. That was the craziest part. Yes. So, like, greed was written in blood on this white carpet, so it was, like, very stark and intense. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what the hell? So he goes back to the first scene and looks behind the fridge and sees a note pinned to the wall and greed, or uh, gluttony carved into the wall. Yep. That was wild. Um, 
and so like now you're kind of in the mode and then they they jump into some serious research and one one thing i really liked about this movie is that it was like mostly black people like you notice that like most characters like most cops uh most people they worked with were black people and like there are more black people in this movie than i think anything not major I, characters I but like most of the side characters were black and i love that oh especially i didn't for, even notice especially for like a 1995 movie like ahead of the game there yeah um so uh they they do their research on like fucking dante's inferno and all this crazy shit about the seven deadly sins so morgan freeman busts out immediately like what the seven deadly sins are like what they represent and stuff and that he's certain that they have a serial killer so now you're kind of in this mode of like what's gonna happen next who's gonna die and how's it gonna be like you know something horrific's gonna happen to somebody and it's gonna be one of these sins yeah so the next one is actually really interesting to me uh it's probably like the worst and craziest one um at least well the next two are pretty damn bad uh but the <laughs> sloth in particular was that one fucked me up too sloth yeah oh it's it's crazy and it, it gives us some perspective on the entire situation so mm -hmm. they basically trace um, his name in the movie, the killer, uh, Kevin Spacey, in the movie, his name is John Doe, meaning, A, we don't have a name for him, but they trace him yeah. from the library for these books. And they get an apartment on this guy. They bust into the apartment, and they are searching this whole thing, and there's a dude laying in bed with a sheet over him, and they, they're like, get up, motherfucker, like, you're done, you're a piece of shit. They're, like, trying to get him up. Mm -hmm. And they pull the sheet off, and it is, all intents and purposes, it is a zombie. There is yeah. an emaciated creature on the bed. It was bad. Oh, it's so rough. It's like, the the teeth are like, there's no lips. It's yeah, gross. yeah. Um, But they, Brad Pitt is, like, searching next to the bed and finds a stack of Polaroid pictures and there's one picture for every day of the year tracing back to exactly one year before they found oh. him. So it's like the picture number one is of like a normal looking dude and the subsequent pictures are of him <clears throat> like being tortured and the process, you know, of that torture for a whole year. And they, you know, the, not the coroner, the, doctors i guess that are trying to work on this guy because he's still alive that's the craziest part yeah that that was crazy because they're like they were well, i don't know why but one cop went up to him and they were like you deserved it and then the guy's like Ugh. yeah so they they why think it's the bad that's oh, the thing that's they right. think it's the killer because it's the the killer's apartment and then he's like you deserve this and he like wakes up and is like writhing in pain and uh they you know rush him to the hospital and he's in such immense shock. Like, anything could kill him at this point. Like, I yeah. think the doctor says if you shined a flashlight in his eyes, he'd probably die. Like, Ugh. just, he's been through the worst things ever. And apparently, he was a drug dealer and a child molester. That's what it was. Yeah. So what's interesting to me about that is, when you think of sloth, what do you think of? Someone who's lazy. Lazy as fuck, right? 
Like you, yeah. you think of someone who just does nothing all day, which could almost be like uh, fused with gluttony, right? Like they're just yes. eating and like sitting on the couch all the time. So I looked up just very briefly, like what exactly sloth is. Yeah. And it's not only a physical state of being lazy, but it could also be interpreted as like a spiritual state and a mental state of like, oh, you are not active in in these areas. Like you're not active spiritually. You're not active mentally. And so this guy being a drug dealer and a child molester is the way I took it anyways, is he's not like spiritually uh in motion in any way so he's just kind of like zero morals and i i yes. think that's where the sloth comes that in makes that makes way history. more sense to me yeah or like or it was that way or he was punishing him for being who he was and like made him be the sin but it, it but your your i your idea of it i think makes more sense like the spiritual version of sloth I think so. I think that's what it means. But you're right. Like, it could just be a guy that was terrible. And he's like, I'm going to murder you and uh, fit you into my little my little collage of dead my, people. My little narrative. What's really cool, too, is especially with this guy being alive, is that, uh, spoilers for the rest of them, we don't actually see him kill anybody in this whole movie. He's a serial killer that we don't watch kill anybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll get to this at the end, but we only see one murder on screen. And so crazy. Now we'll that talk you about that, that later. But uh, yeah, so uh, Sloth Man is, you know, we assume he dies. Like there's probably no coming back from that. No amount of apple juice is going to save you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's game over for him. Uh, and then what's what's the next one? Pride? The next one is Lust. And this one was almost equally as terrible <sighs> to me. Oh, God. So bad. I do have a fun trivia for it. I have two fun trivia things. I feel like we read the same trivia, too, because I, well, I think one I... One of the trivias is one I read, and one of the trivias is one I know from just my life. Ooh. As, as a certain movie lover. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. So Lust, what we see is they are called to a crime scene of a prostitute who is killed in the worst way. I, like, I have trouble saying it. Like It's so bad. Um, our serial killer, John Doe, had like a custom strap-on made that was yeah. instead of a dick it is a knife and yep. forced a guy at gunpoint to put it on and to have sex with this hooker with that strap on and stabbed her to death sexually i like i'm glad that i mean it sucks to think about the shit no matter what but i'm so glad that they left it to the imagination you know yeah, dude, and the only evidence we have of, of the murder weapon is a really crappy Polaroid. Yes, so you like, have to connect the dots yourself. It, it's way creepier that way, too. Like, almost, I, 
as weird as it might be to say, leaving it to your imagination could make things way worse than they might have been. Yeah. Like, think about, like, they they couldn't have made it look as realistic as your brain can. Like, especially in 1995 with the graphics and shit. Yeah, it was... Ugh, it's so heavy. But Uh, uh, they interrogate two dudes. Uh, the, the murderer, um, not John Doe, but the guy that he forced a gunpoint to, to do it. Um, and the, one of the trivias I have is that this guy before filming would, uh, like breathe really deeply in and out so that his body was like oversaturated with oxygen. Yes, that's the one I read. And then he could hyperventilate during the filming. And so it like... And and apparently he also didn't sleep for like two or three days. Dude, talk about a guy taking his role seriously. It was like ten minutes of screen time or less. Not even. Yeah, it was only a couple minutes. Good but, for him. Uh, yeah, it was. And he's been in a lot of stuff. That guy. Um, and his I should name him, but I can't. His name escapes me. But. Uh, yeah, just way to take it to the next level because he does a really good job of just being this panicked victim. He was a victim and the murderer, which is also a really interesting thing that they did. Is like, what do you do in that scenario? Do you just let the guy kill you or do you kill somebody else to stay alive? Like, that's a, that's I, a situation. I was thinking about that and I'm like, someone i don't know like you never ever ever know until you're in that situation but i would like to think that i would i would try to to fuck that guy with my knife dick and i would be like (laughs) i'd be like hey man i'm gonna do it but you gotta you gotta i'm gonna do it right now just take the gun out of my face for two seconds the second he does that you fucking you dry hump him but like with the the knife dick over and over you got to tell him you're gun shy. You'd be like, hey, I, I'm going to do it. I can't get you it gotta, up. You got to close your eyes, man. Close your eyes because I can't have people watching me while I work my magic. <laughs> I can't get it up unless you <laughs> take this fucking gun out of my mouth. It's already up. It's a strap-on knife. <laughs> I think, I don't know, man. Like, that's what, what everybody hopes is that they're heroic in the moment, but you never know. Yeah, man. No one's ever been through that. And the thing that you would never think about in that moment is like, if I do this and I stay alive, that's your main, main focus in the moment. Stay alive. Right. I don't want this guy to shoot me. So I'm going to do what he says. Exactly. The the secondary thought is, can I live with myself after this? Like, what's my life going to be like after this moment? Right. I'm going to do this. He's going to let me go. And then what do I do with myself now that I've done this horrible thing? And, 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 you oh. lived it. You've seen it. Like you felt it. You were there. And it's like you can't, was... you can't stay alive. You're gonna kill yourself. Guaranteed. I mean, I. It seems like that guy was gonna kill himself. His acting was so good. It was. It was good. So like, fuck. He was up. probably on screen for like a minute and a half, and it was. Yeah. Acting. He was great. He crushed it. It was amazing. It was like his big break, and he was like, "I'm gonna knock this shit out of the park." And I appreciate that because it made it so good. Oh, yeah. So the guy, the the second piece of trivia that I have on this moment is the other guy that they interviewed was apparently like the club owner or the club manager or something. 
And so Brad Pitt's interviewing him is like, you know, did you see anybody? Like, you didn't think a guy bringing in a package was weird? And he's like, dude, people bring in briefcases full of stuff they want to use. Like, I don't ask questions. Uh. Like, it's just, this is the business I'm in. That guy was an actor in one of my favorite movies of all time, The Crow. He was? And he was. He is actually the guy that accidentally killed Brandon Lee. No way. Wait, what? So in the in the filming of The Crow, uh, he was a bad guy, and he, he had a, a gun on him at all times. He had a gun tattooed on him, and it was just like his character. And there was a scene where he shoots... Brandon Lee. That's not in the movie, actually. Um, because and he, he like in real life, he killed Brandon Lee. But he did it on accident. During the filming, yeah. there was something lodged in the gun, and when the blank went off, it shot whatever it was, and, and it killed Brandon Lee. Dude. So dark. I didn't know that, that guy, it was that guy and that they would allow him in anything ever again. Oh, yeah. He took a huge break from acting. Well, I I mean, huge, relatively, because... When the was crow The Crow? Was, the Crow came out in 90. So he took five years off. Yeah, probably. You know, I don't know if that was the first thing he was in afterward, but he he took a relatively significant break from acting, because uh, he was obviously hurt by the situation. Um, it wasn't It was not on purpose. It was for sure accidental. Um, if you were the props person, I think you'd feel the most bad. Or at least I would. Oh yeah, dude. You you what? supplied it. You gotta check. You gotta check that stuff real hard. Dang, dude, that's so bad. Yeah. Super rough. Ugh. And what's I... shitty is that he looks like a bad guy. Like he's always cast in bad guy roles. So yeah. Never a good guy. <laughs> yeah. There's always those like typecasted people. There's always like the thug or like the goody boy or like. Uh, the fucking asshole executive. There's yeah, like, I was gonna say like the lawyer, like the yeah, guy yeah, yeah. who looks really good and horrible in a suit. That's just yeah. Like, I'm here to fire everyone. I, I bet all these people are like, I'll fucking take it. I'll take what I can. You know. Yeah. Uh, so this is a wild one. Uh, this trivia. This was the seventh highest grossing film of 1995, which is really weird. That's interesting. That's number seven. Um, Morgan Freeman's son was a fingerprinter in the movie. Which oh, is that's dope. Pretty cool. Wow. Makeup for the sloth victim took over 14 hours. Whoa. <laughs> the, the filmmakers decided it should always be raining for two reasons. It added a sense of dread, and they never had to worry about bad weather. <laughs> Just so, always bet. Genius. Um, David Fincher wanted the credits to look like the killer had written them. That's sick. Because, spoilers, he wins, I think? Y- yeah. Crazy. Um, not... Okay, so let's let's jump to the rest of the, the, the kills, so to speak. So we've got only three more, and the last two are kind of packaged together. So yeah. this next one, I'm going to let you take it. I just I, I took the last two, so you're up. It's Pride, but I wanted to ask you if the girl that was killed for Pride was uh, 
like an actress or something or like a model you know so i didn't catch that um Maybe i don't know what she was but what we gather from it is that she knows that she's beautiful and like that's where she puts her value so she's yeah. probably a model or an actress, but I'm today, not sure if it's explicitly stated. Explicitly, today it could have been like an Instagram model or something. Explicitly. Blah, blah, blah. I can talk. Uh, but yeah, like we don't know what exactly she is, at least to my recollection. Yeah, I think uh, I th- she's like a model or an actress or something. Like when, when they find the body, there's a big ass picture of her face like in a pose on the bed like where she sleeps there's a gigantic picture of herself which is ridiculous like you like the way you look if you have a picture of just your face magnified a hundred times and blown up somewhere in your your home um this one was crazy and like it was crazy that the the killer john doe could predict what she would do uh he like mutilated her face and tortured her and said you can call for like he glued a fucking phone to one hand and glued a bunch of pills to the other and he said you can call for help and save your life on this one or you can take these pills and 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 die because if you live you're going to be disfigured forever and be ugly and you're going to basically reflect who you are on the inside yeah oh which is insane that she was like, yeah, I'd rather die than be ugly. Insane. And I wonder, like, if he was in the room, like, if she had called for help, would he have taken off? Or would he have just killed her and been like, shit, that didn't work? <laughs> yeah. I, that's one of the things I, I think about the whole movie. Like, what if it was a very, like, mechanical, crazy, intricate killing spree? And I wonder what would have happened if anything had gone wrong. Um, some stuff does go wrong. Like they find out they get a little too close to him and they trace, chase him down and stuff and he gets away. Yes. And I, I don't remember at which point that is, but there is a close encounter that we find out at the end. Um, that oh, yeah. you know, not at the end, but it's at one of the crime scenes. I think it might be at the sloth crime scene. So yeah, because they find, they find that guy in his apartment. Yeah, so I think it's after the, or it's like at the greed crime scene, there's a reporter that goes up and gets a bunch of pictures and is like, you know, I'm allowed to be here. I'm a reporter. Click, click, click. And like, shoots a bunch of pictures. And then they find those developed pictures at the crime scene. And it's like, dude, he was right there. So crazy. And it just, it's one of the many scenarios that shows you that this guy was in control the entire time. Which is one of the scariest parts like what makes it a scary movie i think is yeah. it's it's more of a thriller but i think it's one of the things that makes it scary is like this dude knew what everyone was going to do how everyone was going to react not just the victims right not just the girl with the pills the phone it's like are you going to call for help or are you going to save your life no he walked right up to the detectives chasing him yeah and was like, I'm supposed to be here. It's like, he like that kind of mastery is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and like one of the the noob slash seasoned vet scenes they had was Brad Pitt was talking to Morgan Freeman about the killer, and Brad Pitt was like, he's fucking crazy. He's probably dancing at home right now in his 
grandma's panties or something. He's insane. And Morgan Freeman was like, don't you for a second think that he's insane or an idiot. Like, this guy's really smart. Yeah, this guy's running circles around us. Yeah. And he's like, he's we've only found these people because he wanted us to. Um, and that's and that's scary. Oh yeah. Uh, so I don't know what Lee. Uh, I guess they're they're just going back to the police station, and this kind of kicks off the end part of the movie. Exactly. It's, so after this crime scene, they go back to the station, and mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey walks into the police station and is like you're looking for me guys and they're like dude shut up whoa you're the guy and like yeah. take them down real hard um and i love i mean it makes sense but something just a little creepy that they did is his fingerprints have been cut off and he's got band-aids on all his fingers and he's you they have a shot of him dipping a tea bag in the interrogation room and you see his hand with the with the band-aids and just the tea bag like he's calm this is what i do every day <laughs> Dude, so creepy so good uh and and his head was shaved so like it makes sense that there's just so nothing no evidence at any crime scene yeah and kevin spacey is a creepy looking dude like, yeah great actor terrifying terrifying face terrifying voice like he's a scary man <laughs> we we yeah he is we found out later that he was a not so great human yes um but, was that ever like solidified like do we know for a fact that all that stuff was legit i think it might have been considering that he's been completely canceled like just wiped off the face of the earth yeah he's not in anything there's no word from him for a couple of years now i think gone um and uh i think when i first saw this i didn't know like i it it was like early 2000s maybe and i definitely knew who he was and when he came out as the killer i was like holy shit no way and i recognized him and i was stoked but uh he was perfect for it an insane genius psychopath oh yeah and i'm sure you read this trivia too but before we get into the last two one of the things I read that I really appreciated, because it happens more often than I think anyone gives it credit for, is there was a chase scene where he was... I I cannot remember now where he was at. Um, but Brad Pitt ends up chasing him as, like, there's the killer, he's right there, and they're, like, running after him, and there's this like chase scene. Like, by his apartment. Yeah. Yeah. But right and, before they find Sloth. Oh, is it right before they do? Yeah. Okay. So they they run him down, and uh, or they they tried to anyways. He ends up escaping, but during the chase scene, Brad Pitt hurts himself, and mm-hmm. they thankfully worked that into the movie because he actually ran his hand through a car window and busted up his hand and needed surgery, and they were like, well, your injury was actually written into the script anyways, so this is super convenient that you broke your hand regardless. So <laughs> on his hand is totally real. Wow. It was written in there beforehand. He accidentally hurt himself, and it totally worked out. Oh, my God. I love shit like that. We just talked about that in the episode with the fucking wrong turn mountain men. 
Oh, Remember? yeah. That guy hurt his foot. Um, crazy. So uh, they they grab him, and they're like, I, I guess they're just trying to get a full confession to, to close the deal. And Morgan Freeman's like, bro, this is bad. This is something is happening. He there's there's a weird reason why he brought himself in. Like he's not done yet. And then even Brad Pitt is like, I think we agree for the first time ever. This is yeah. It's like this is not right. Something this doesn't fit the mo. Um, and then our killer John Doe. He's so inconspicuous. He's so well disguised. They have to call him John Doe. They don't know his fucking name or anything. So John Doe is like. I would like you to bring me here by seven o'clock to this spot. Um, and then I will, otherwise I'll take insanity. Um, and you're not going to charge me for everything. And I'll show you where the rest of the bodies are. So they're like, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's yeah, go. And they, they do that whole conversation through the lawyer, which is like the worst. Yeah. Oh, like, gross. It's, it's so gross. And it's like, I guess I'm glad we have lawyers. Like, I don't know, but, like, this dude... Can you imagine being the lawyer charged with, like... Whether he was hired or whether he's a public defender. Like, either way, this guy is like... Yeah, so this is what my client wants. And uh, if we don't do it, he's going to plead insanity. And I can mop the floor with you guys with insanity. The problem... Yeah, the problem with that and the problem with me is that, like... A lawyer's got a job to do and it's important for our fucking democracy to defend anybody who needs a lawyer like everybody deserves and gets a lawyer that's amazing in our country i get it but the problem with this guy in particular is that he was super smug and defensive about a serial killer like you could be obligated to provide protection for a serial killer whatever by law but it doesn't mean you have to like the dude like exactly like imagine if this guy was like look man He's going to fucking try to take insanity, and this is what's going to go down, okay? Like, like imagine if you were more humanizing about it and not so much on John Doe's side. 100%, and that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, if I'm, granted, I'm far from a lawyer, but if I'm that guy, <laughs> if, I, if I'm a lawyer, and my client is a legit psychopath murderer yeah, trying to, uh, like, basically, like, blackmail like hey if you don't do this i'm you know you'll never find him which is true in this case but we'll get to that in a minute um if you don't do this you'll never find the other bodies if i'm that lawyer i'm like guys this is the situation like legally i'm gonna represent this guy but he's trying to do this he's trying to plead insanity and i'll be honest with you i think i can get him off if he tries to go that route. So we should probably utilize these demands to, to, you know, get some further Intel or something. I don't know. I'd like to think I'd be the good guy. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure there are lawyers that do that. And like, it's just so easy to make the, the lawyer who's forced to help out the serial killer look like a piece of shit. Oh yeah. Um, but they're like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. So they drive way out in the fucking middle of nowhere, like almost deserty. Yeah, it's probably like Stockton. Yeah, I mean it's 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 California, I think, and it looks like California. It does. Um, and and this is when things get fucking wild. So they they get to have a a really intense conversation with the serial killer, 
and they're going back and forth about like motives and logic and you get inside of his head a little bit and <laughs> one funny scene they they stop the car and there's a dead dog outside and the, the John Doe's like I didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> I did really like that he's like he just shrugs he's like I didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> so funny um Brad Pitt has him at gunpoint wait trying to figure out where the bodies are what's going on and like within a minute uh a fucking delivery truck approaches them and they're like what the fuck dude this is part of a setup Morgan Freeman holds him at gunpoint the delivery guy and he's like get the fuck out of the car what are you doing here and it's just like a, a dude just a bro and he's like bro I was paid like 500 bucks to fucking drop off this this package that's it I'm here to drop off a package Morgan Freeman's like drop the package and get the fuck out of here and the guy the guy takes off and they, they think it's a bomb and Morgan Freeman's like I don't think it's a bomb I'm gonna open it yep and like what really scared me is like not even his reaction his initial reaction of like disgust and fear it was him going on the radio saying john doe has the upper hand john doe is in charge yeah that was crazy like we're out we don't have this under control that's what scared me and especially because there's nothing around you're in the middle of nowhere there's a chopper police chopper flying above you that apparently you know is your eyes and has your back and he's like this is not we're out of control like this is not good yes oh Um, and all and like this is also coupled with cuts back to so mind you when we're talking about the scene if you haven't seen the movie this is embarrassing you got to go watch it but in the scene they basically morgan freeman and brad pitt walked kevin spacey out i don't know like 200 feet into this mm-hmm. field or whatever right right off a dirt road so they're like you know a few hundred feet off the road and then the delivery truck approaches and morgan freeman goes and handles it opens the box and freaks out radios the chopper and it's like this is bad guys and then looks back at uh brad pitt and so we're between morgan freeman looking in the box we see kevin spacey talking to brad pitt about how he's like you know, I tried to live a normal life. I was really jealous of you. Uh, you know, I tried to live like you. Um, and, like, what we gather is that Kevin Spacey is envy. Yes. And he envies Brad Pitt's life, being a normal dude with, you know, apparently not having his head flooded with how terrible humanity is. And he's yeah. going on this little speech and this goes back and forth between him talking to Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman looking what it's what's inside the box. And he immediately runs back to them and they're all three united. And Morgan Freeman is like, drop the gun, Brad Pitt, please drop the gun. <laughs> and this the most famous line in this whole movie. Yeah. What's in the box? He says it over and over in a hundred different ways. He's like, what's in the box? What is in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? And you know what that reminds me of? I-darbs. I-darbs. 
I knew you were going to say I know. I was thinking of it too. In a little code. <laughs> IDubs is a scheme that fucking James Nash McCoy introduced to us a long time ago. It's like 8-bit soccer where they yell sh- crazy shit on the side and one of the things they say is What's in a box? They yell just random movie quotes. Like, that's what it is. And that game was made in Oakland, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. So, like, shout out to whoever made that game. That's great. I used to love that game. Like, when you're starting the game, there's an announcer that yells things, but he, what you don't catch on to necessarily is that he yells random movie quotes. So, like, what's in the box? (laughs) Like, one of those things. And you're like, what? God, it's such a famous line because it's like it's not bad acting, but it's like it's such a crazy thing to say. And it, it maybe it is a little over the top. It's it's a little over the top. This was, uh, like Brad Pitt is a great actor. I think we can mm. all acknowledge that. Like, I don't think there's anything he's in that's not not good. Right. Like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where I'm like, yeah, he was he was ass in this movie. Like, he's a good actor. Yeah, even if it's a bad movie, he's good in it, right? Yeah. So, I think this scene was maybe a little over the top in in that and when it's like his reaction shot, he's like holding the gun to Kevin Spacey and he's like, But you can also kind of, I think you can kind of wash it away with, like, we don't know specifically, and this is what we were talking about in the very beginning. We find out that his wife's head is in the box. Mm-hmm. And we don't ever see it, apparently. And it's, you know, never really talked about. I, I guess Kevin Spacey does say, so I took her head. But, like, we don't know for sure what's in the box. Which and, is so crazy. And and therefore, Brad Pitt doesn't know for sure what's in the box, but he's asking Morgan Freeman, shouting at him, what's in the box, and Morgan Freeman is not answering. So mm-hmm. it's like, he all he's saying, he's not saying, don't worry about it, nothing's in the box, or it's, you know, it was a finger, or whatever, it's like, not answering, and then he just says, put your gun down. Like, whatever's in the box, you're going to kill this guy over, so before I tell you what's in the box... Just put put your gun down. Just go ahead and toss it to the side. Don't worry about it. Just put it down. And that, like, it's really powerful. Even if the acting is a, a little over the top, it's like, yeah. it hurts. It hurts you. And, like, he wanted to make Brad Pitt be Wrath, which yeah. is insane. And uh, Brad Pitt could not control himself. He's sitting there contemplating and... Like, do I shoot this guy? Do I fucking kill him? Because he killed my wife and my unborn child. And Morgan Freeman's like, don't do it. This is what he wants. You, He wants you to finish the mission. And then he fucking does it. And he just unloads his clip. Just fucking lays into him. Yeah, dude. And I love that they, they pan back to the helicopter and the guy's like, you know, the lieutenant or whatever is, like, watching through binoculars, and he jumps back, and he's like, oh, shit, he shot him. Which is so crazy, because at the end of the movie, they put Brad Pitt in in the back of a cop car. We all know that, like, the cops wouldn't arrest a cop that killed a serial killer in the middle of nowhere with no eyewitnesses. Come on. 
100%. Would not happen at all. That's the honestly the most unrealistic part of the movie. I believe the serial kills could happen. Agreed. Everything was relatively realistic, other than that. Uh, I 100% oh. agree with you. They they would have they would have fucking had him wrapped in a blanket with some hot cocoa. Like he would have been fine. Yeah, dude, and like I know. And honestly, I I would be okay with that. Like that is you. a crazy. I would I would be okay with anybody doing that because the guy wanted it and he manipulated him to such an extreme he almost could not control himself. Yeah, and, and maybe he couldn't control himself. In, in those circumstances, I think it's justified, and I know this is a dangerous topic Yes. today, but uh, through the movie, through the lens of the movie, I don't think they would have arrested him. I don't think he maybe should be arrested. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to talk about this. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sketchy ground. And they were like, we'll take good care of him. Don't you worry. We'll take good care of him. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And, like, I, I think to myself, like, he never looked in the box. So how cra- how fucking wild would it be if, like, he got in the cop car and then you the camera pans over to the box and it's something not his wife? So then he ruined his life. Exactly. And that brings me to what I mentioned way earlier. When I watched it, Fal was asleep. The next day... She was like, um, hey, so his dog's head was in the box, right? What? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, like the box, right? You know the box? I'm like, yeah, I know the box. She's like, his dog. His dog was in the box. I was like, I don't think so. They don't show it, but I'm pretty sure it was not the dog. Oh, oh my God. going <laughs> to fuck with my head. Because he loved those dogs. Holy shit. But he did say, Kevin Spacey, out of his own mouth, said so i took her head like yeah that. yeah and, and he said that she begged for her and her unborn baby's life yes so we're 98.1 percent certain that it's her head but we don't actually know <laughs> could be the but dog like what if he was just saying that to invoke wrath like wrath is just being overly angry and acting on impulse like what if like the point is that just his words were enough to get him to kill him, even when he didn't kill his wife, you know? Yeah. It could like, be, and that's left up to our imagination. But, like, and, but at the same time, Morgan Freeman caught up to them when he was saying this shit. Morgan Freeman could have been like, don't worry, it's just your dog, bro. <laughs> I, and I agree with that. I think if it wasn't anything but his wife, he would have said something, you yeah. know? Like, if you would have said, dude, it's your dog, or, like, one of your dogs, uh, even though he would have been pissed, he would have freaked out. I don't think he would have shot him. But the fact that Morgan he, Freeman didn't right. say anything. Exactly. That's what does it. Put your gun down. Right. Kind of intuitive. Yeah, he just he just couldn't, right? Like, he, he couldn't say anything except put your gun down. He couldn't say, like... It's it's your wife, but it's not that bad. Like we might be able to bring her back. She yeah. might be. Okay. I'd like to think, like if I'm Morgan Freeman in this situation, and I walk up to the box and I open it, and there's a dog's head in there. I don't think I would have left the box. 
I think I would have brought it with me and oh. thrown it at him and been like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. Kind of, you know, therefore not putting Brad Pitt at ease, but putting him a little more at ease based on what Kevin was telling him was like, you know, I talked to your lovely wife and did all this stuff with her face and like whatever. It's like, yeah, it's just your dog. Not that dogs aren't important. I have two lovely huskies that eat everything, but (laughs) I think it would have been different. So we can almost be certain that it's her head. I would like to believe that it's her head and it's not a conspiracy theory. But it was a great ending. Yeah, and just like everything else, or most things else, you don't see him killing the the person. And yeah. the only crime, which is a good point of yours, is that Brad Pitt killed him. And so the, you see the good guy kill the bad guy, which is, and that's it, which is crazy. Yeah, and that was one of the things I read was like, the only murder we see on screen is Brad Pitt killing the killer, which is like crazy that it's all... It's so, uh, I think tantalizing is the wrong word, but you know what I mean, where it's like, it just kind of teases everything, and it's like, obviously one dude is behind these things, but we don't actually see him doing anything, and in some of, like, the interviews, he made someone else do these things, and like, he made the, he didn't make the girl kill herself, but he basically gave her a choice, and she killed herself. Right. Actually, come to think of it, he made them all kill themselves. He made uh, the guy eat himself to death. He made the guy cut his sloth? flesh off. Sloth, he definitely did. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. That was <laughs> to the fucking bed and couldn't get out. Yeah. But he didn't die is the kicker. He didn't kill him. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, gluttony, greed sloth they killed themselves slash didn't die lust he made another dude do it someone else to do it yeah pride she chose to kill herself 100 percent uh he did the wife he did the wife in he did the wife but the wife wasn't one of the seven deadly sins she was like the leverage for wrath right he was so he he for sure killed at least one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking wild. It's a. It was, you know, while I was watching it, I was thinking, like, this isn't the greatest movie I've ever seen. I agree. Um, I agree. It's definitely legendary, and there's a lot of good talking points and a lot of stuff to to dissect and digest, but mm-hmm. I quality wise i don't know if it's like a top 10 but i guess quantity wise like there's a lot of good shit in there and that's why it's legendary even you know how many how many years 25 years later it's Mm -hmm. still like a legend movie where uh was it lacking for you (sighs) um That's a tough question. Um, I think, and I think this is just kind of an overall, uh, like, movie-making thing 
that was in the 90s was that a lot of the downtime was like real hard downtime mm-hmm. if that makes sense so like if if you've seen it other you know 90s thrillers uh like double jeopardy or whatever like oh yeah there are it, it's a great story and there's great parts but there are some scenes that you're like why is this here like yes why exactly what's happening right now you know could this again like I, I think i've mentioned this in other things too but like let's assume you have a certain time frame that the movie's going to be in i don't know how long this movie was but like let's say two hours right you have yeah. two hours right why are you going to spend some of that two hours in this moment when you could be doing other things with that time whether it's with yeah. other characters or just doing something better with the characters in the scene so it's like i just felt like it was a real 90s movie in some of those aspects um but if you really dissect it, like all of those are on purpose, you know, like there's scenes in the beginning where Morgan Freeman is like real meticulous about getting ready in the morning. Like that's important. But is it super important? Could it have been done better? Could it have been told? Like, do we understand that he's super meticulous later? Or, <laughs> hey, babe, what's up? <laughs> I saw the door open by itself and I was like, be <laughs> foul. I can trigger the power in a little bit. Can I do that? Is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, five minutes. Five minutes. Thank you. I'm just working. It's okay. Sorry. Come here, Noah. He's okay. He can live here. Keep this. Keep this in there. <laughs> I will keep it all, uh, though I lost my train of thought. Um, what? Uh, why are they doing certain things in the movies that seem like a 90s movie? Oh, yeah. Um. I, yeah, I guess it can be boiled down to that. Like, I think certain film styles were, I guess, more prevalent in the 90s. And then since then, we've kind of learned that, like, you can do a little bit of better storytelling with less or more. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. You can pack more. <laughs> I'm being attacked by wolves right now. Um. I, I, that's where I agree 100%. Like, I felt like there was a lot of empty space where they could be doing more. And basically, like, when you realize what the movie was about, like, seeing how brutally and creatively seven people will die based on the seven deadly sins, you're just kind of, like, there for the ride and you're waiting for these things to happen. And there's nothing, like, of huge value happening in between the crimes. Uh, Yeah. Like do something crazy like show the serial killer setting up or like i don't know something like that like no exactly i'm i'm right there with you where it's like i if it was made today if this movie was made right now and and was released tomorrow like i think a lot of the time of the movie let's say it took up the same time frame would be spent on kevin spacey's like prep for the crimes Mm -hmm. maybe like strapping down sloth uh taking pictures um you know quick quick flashes of him like dealing with pride maybe like oh flashbacks of the crime yes yeah Yeah. like you don't have to show the extreme nature of the crime like you don't have to show the dude cutting off his own flesh right like handing him the knife 
with a gun in your other hand and like real quick things exactly exactly tell the story a bit deeper than you did even though the story was told really well i think if you did it right now there would be a lot of flashbacks to those moments without the graphicness but just like this is how serious that moment was and then we're you know flash to the detectives at the scene right like i think there's just different different styles agreed 100 percent um so is that all you have on the movie i i'm amazed that we watched the same thing i'm it's so funny i'm so happy it happened like i was nervous it would happen it happened but it always hits me i'm like when we don't tell each other i'm like there's no way we watch the same thing like no way like the the odds are astronomical and especially it's once removed like if, if it was you and me like hey here's the theme don't tell each other watch something in this theme those odds are a little bit higher that you and i are going to watch the same thing but we did it yeah. once removed we're like hey here's the theme have your significant other pick the movie right right and we still watch the same thing gold gold special episode this is my lucky number from now on what episode is this i think it's 106 okay 106 is my lucky number from now on lottery numbers baby baby (laughs) all right anything else do you have anything to add no i i think it's still worth watching it's still really entertaining and i got it for uh four bucks on youtube how'd you watch it i got it for four bucks on amazon perfect Still worth the four dollars, absolutely. One hundred percent. It's really good. If honestly, if this podcast has taught me nothing else, it's that renting a movie for four dollars is one hundred percent worth it. Yeah, like even if it's like a four movie, like a four out of even if it's an ass movie, it's like nah. It was like four dollars is nothing. This entertainment was everything. I've I've bought beers for like twelve dollars, and those last me like two minutes. So like. The value. Think about the value. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> um, I might change my mind when we can go to bars again. <laughs> I, I hope bars lower their prices. So you're like, please come to my bar. I have $1 beers. It's like, I'm there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. My piece. You can reach us on our phone. If you give us a call or text, uh, you can reach us at 415 488 5031 anytime 415-488-5031 and if you want to reach us on any other medium right we have an email that's aswspodcast at gmail.com again aswspodcast at gmail.com you can use that same first part aswspodcast for facebook twitter and instagram if you reach out on uh reach out to us on any of those me me man i cannot talk right now (laughs) if you want to reach out to us find us on those things and we'll be there um we'd love to hear your recommendations critiques um you know anything like that reach out and we'd love to hear from you boom that's it Woo! cheers buddy go go help out foul (laughs) all right catch y'all later